Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast, journeys of descending into the mysteries and rising from the roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, spiritual mentor and priestess. I have guided hundreds of women into the mysteries within them to rise rooted into their sovereign selves through my one-to-one mentorship, online courses, and Patreon portal. Today, I have Maya Gohill on the show with me. Maya Gohill is a certified coach of the Conscious Parenting Method by author and wisdom teacher, Dr. Shafali Tasabri. Maya's focus is on helping parents and individuals build more connected relationships with themselves and their loved ones by identifying and breaking down the unconscious patterns that were created in childhood, beginning the path towards wholeness through the process of reparenting. Can't wait to sink into this episode with you. If you feel called, please like, share, leave a review. And if you feel called to make a financial contribution, please consider joining the Patreon portal. Can't wait to dive into this episode with you. Welcome, Maya. And to start, we're going to start with the question of what has been the journey that has led you to the work that you're offering the world today? Hi, Lisa. Um, Thank you for asking. Thank you for inviting me here and for asking that question. Uh, The work that has led me here has been basically life, life being life. I um, am a mother of a 13-year-old boy, and uh, my journey with him has been, you know, as, as it is with all parents, an interesting journey. And I found myself in many instances kind of not knowing how to parent. And um, I remember encountering a book when he was about four uh, called The Conscious Parent by Dr. Shafali Sabari. And I picked it up and, and it completely resonated with me. And I, uh, and I, because I realized that there was something more to the experience of parenting than what I inherently knew. And by inherent, I meant, I mean, you know, what was culturally sort of uh, imposed on me. And I think most of us parents the way that we were parented. Hmm. And um, by and large, I think our parents were mostly unconscious. And there might have been the odd book here or there but nothing really that on a soul level, you know, helps you to understand your child, your child's journey, and then the journey that you're there to fulfill as a parent. And, uh, and it was kind of, uh, you know, there were multiple things along the way that kind of got me to this point, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But fundamentally my son and I were you know as he was entering the teenage years we were sort of there was a more conflict and um as a young child he was pretty easy to mold and you know you know you know how young children are they just know you as their main caregiver and they lap up everything that you tell them Mm -hmm. but then you know as he's becoming more of an adult he was starting to think for himself and being more independent and really question, making me question all the things that I was saying to him. And, uh, and so ultimately I kind of got to a point where I realized, okay, if I, if I, I knew that I wasn't able to parent him in the way that 
I in my heart wanted to and that I knew he needed me to parent in the way that he needed me to parent. And so I uh, realized, okay, it's time to really look at how not to mess this up royally mm-hmm. and how, how can I be, you know, the best parent. I just wanted the knowledge really on how to, how to parent properly. And so I enrolled in um, Dr. Shefali's Conscious Parent Coaching Program mm-hmm. at, at, in her institute, and went through the program. And that, and and I am now here, where I am right now, through that that pathway. Mm-hmm. How does conscious parenting differ from like regular parenting? So, most of us were parented in a very top-down way where Mm -hmm. the parent is the authority and the hierarchy and kind of the all-knowing and then the child is born and the goal of the parent is to kind of raise the child and mold the child while fulfilling the ideas and fantasies that they have for the child and um and it's very it's very authoritative. It's very controlling. It's, it's very much about discipline and consequences and, um, and, and ultimately fulfilling, having the child fulfill whatever needs and fantasies and desires that the parent has Mm -hmm. without necessarily acknowledging that that child might already come to this planet whole and complete. And so instead, so the difference then is, Conscious parenting is really understanding that your child comes to this planet whole and is almost your usher, the parent's usher, the, the usher of the parent to higher consciousness. So when we understand that the child actually has an authentic soul and that the, the child does not need to be fixed, does not need to, is not broken and um, is actually more connected to soul as or source essence and divine essence because it's new new on the planet than we are because we've been so conditioned by our own parents and by mm-hmm. cultural and environment etc that our children are actually the biggest teachers for us and if we actually follow the and attune to the the soul of the child then we can start to understand our own baggage and we can start to understand, you know, you know, the child is showing me one thing if I attune. If I attune to the child, their soul is showing me one thing, whatever that would be. That could be a need, a love, a passion, um, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if we get ourselves out of the way and instead don't, don't go into that place of, you know, the child is not conforming to my needs or not not abiding by what I want in this moment or the child is making me feel uncomfortable with this outburst or this tantrum or whatever it is. Um, If we can realize that that story is just a story that is in our mind that was that is really rooted in fear Mm -hmm. and a need to control and um, some some conditioning that was placed on us in childhood. Um, we can attune to the child and really see them and connect to them on a deeper level. And, mm-hmm. and then also understand our own egoic patterns that we bring to the table through parenting. 
Mm. And then we can start to heal those patterns and ultimately create connection with our children and allow our children to be um, more liberated and more authentic themselves. Interesting. So it's like, I like the, you know, we're kind of the authority or the parent is the authority and controlling and molding the child probably to be just like them, like the parent, but this is the reverse where it's like the child is the teacher because it, it's like whole and it doesn't have all the conditioning and baggage that we take on in this human experience. So learning from the child as opposed to molding the child, is that fair to say? Yes, allowing the child to to be its authentic spirit, first of mm-hmm. all, not trying to change the child yeah. and make it into something that it's not meant to be. Yeah. And then also through the practice of really attuning and attunement through, you know, connecting to your heart, connecting to your breath. So meditation is a really big component to conscious parenting. And um, and so by observing and attuning to your child, you yourself can become more authentic because you start to pay attention to your inauthenticity mm. was put on you by your parents okay. and your environment. Yeah. yeah. So with that, is there, you know, in, in different spiritual realms there, and this is something that I definitely be, believe to be true, is there a contract between the parent and child that we come earthside with? Like we chose these parents for this reason, like I chose my parents for specific reasons. Is that part of it at all? Like kind of this soul contract? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, in my personal belief, I think so. Mm. I personally believe that, you know, we have lessons to learn and the people in our lives are there to help us to see them. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I do believe that, that the parent, the parent calls the child into their life for the lessons that it, that the parent needs to learn and vice versa. Yeah. I love that because kids are yeah. such teachers. Like my girl is 22, so she's an adult now, but I'm constantly learning from her, but I can't, you know, cause when I had her, I was in a different lifestyle completely. I was an interior designer, you know, I wasn't conscious or aware, but she was yeah. always teaching me so much, but I was trying to make her like me, you know? So just yeah. that, that reversal is so powerful. So what are the tools for conscious parenting? You spoke about meditation. Are there any other core tools that come into conscious parenting? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. It's, it's really simple when you boil it down. Um, Meditation, because the, the practice of conscious parenting is very much East meets West. It's Western psychology melted with Eastern philosophy. And so in that, that's why meditation is a a large component in breath, Um, understanding, you know, the present moment. Mm -hmm. And then um, other other tools would be, uh, you know, very similar to the teachings of Eckhart Tolle, so Mm -hmm. presence, and then understanding that um, we are, you know, we live in our minds, fundamentally but our minds are based on you know what we think in our thoughts are belief based on belief systems that have been placed there but if you take all of that away and you're stripped of all of that then you're left with spirit and soul and so we can um but ultimately by by connecting to the spirit and soul that will help us to become more authentic 
-hmm. more authentic beings. So presence, understanding the as-isness of life, not having expectations and judgments about how life should go or how people should be, our children, our partners, whomever it might be. And just understanding that life is, it's not necessarily supposed to be always rainbows and lollipops, but that in fact, there's so much growth that can happen through pain mm. and through suffering. And that those are actually our soul's calling to evolve. Mm. So, um, but, uh, but really understanding, you know, that the present moment is really all we have mm. and that everything else is quite irrelevant. I mean, yes, we have to live in the world, but the more we can kind of root ourselves in the present moment, the more we can start to see how our mind actually plays these tricks on us and pulls us into egoic states that then pull us into lack, a lack mentality or an idea of scarcity, et cetera. And then, you know, observing how those thoughts then will create uh, reactions within us that we mm -hmm. have with whatever's going on in our lives, right? It could be towards another person or towards a circumstance in our life, but it's really more about just kind of, you know, rooting into life is, life is, and it's fundamentally abundant. Um, but the more that we are able to sort of tap into an abundant space by acknowledging where the fear exists within us, mm -hmm we can then go on to live more fruitful lives and enriched lives. Hmm. So with that kind of the stories that we tell or the belief systems that we have, are there core ones that, and this might, you know, go to your own personal experience with your son, but are there core ones that parents have that when they're not trying to control or punish kids, so to speak, come up if that does that make sense what I'm trying to ask here it's like you know our kids having a temper tantrum the normal reaction would be like go in your room whatever be quiet whatever it might be you know kind of what our parents spoke to us but instead that like just sitting and like how would you respond to that and are there beliefs that come up where it's like I'm not in control right now which can be I guess stem from fear does that make sense where I'm going with mm -hmm. that yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I think whenever we have a reaction, strong reactions to our children. So let's say as you, as the example that you raised, like the child is having a tantrum and having an outburst. So typically that depending on, on how the parent was raised and depending on what sort of circumstances existed in the household for, for the child and the relationship with the parents and and the the parents' parents and the uh, uh, and the parent, um, a number of things could happen. So either in a circumstance like that, the parent could be going into a place of um, avoidance of conflict, where conflict is a scary thing because mm. perhaps in their childhood, um, you know, it was punishable, conflict was punishable. And so therefore there's a discomfort with conflict or big emotions or if emotions were repressed, then there could be an, uh, an aversion to big emotions. And so often when, when we ourselves have uh, something like that, an aversion to conflict or to big feelings, et cetera, then we have a hard time seeing that in our child and mm -hmm. we want to squash it. 
we want to quiet it because it makes us uncomfortable. So it's not really then about the child and what's the need of the child in that moment. It's really about mm-hmm. our need coming over and trumping the need of the child. And mm-hmm. so in that moment, what's really happening is the child needs to be seen. There's something going on, but our inner child, like, so um, to end to explain inner child, uh, it's the, the, when, when we're, when we're, when we're young and if our, ch- and if our parents or our caregivers were not able to unconditionally give us the love that we needed and see fully see us and validate us as worthy, as whole, as complete, as, as belonging, um, which most of our parents were not able to, we develop an inner child mm-hmm. and the inner child is, remains at that age. So no matter how old we end up growing, um, we still have like a, an inner child in us that has those wounds that were put in place from childhood. And in order to protect the inner child, we develop an ego. And the ego is sort of, the ego is, has many faces. Uh, you know, the ego's faces could be... Um, anger, fear, resentment, martyrdom, um, procrastination, uh, the list goes on and on, on and on. Um, But those are the, those are, the ego kind of creates a shell around the inner child to protect the inner child. Mm. And so as we get older, those egoic patterns never really grow, grow up with us. They stay the same, even though we're growing and becoming adult. So as a, ch- as a child, we have the need to be protected. So um, for example, let's say, um, let's say the child has an outburst and, and the parent says, and this is, this is, it's really interesting how it's cyclical. So the child has an outburst and the parent can't be present with the outburst. And um, either, and we'll try to placate the child by giving it a candy let's say in this, in this instance. So the, the child doesn't sit with its feelings and instead has this notion that, okay, for comfort, I need to eat something. So then that, that, beca- that becomes in essence, uh, the ego is protect, uh, carries on in adulthood to protect the child by um, w- when discomfort comes, the ego kind of, you know, the, says, okay, well, go to the cupboard and eat some cookies, yeah. you know, or whatever it would be, or defensiveness, right? There's, there's so many different things that the ego does to protect the inner child. But as we grow up, we no longer need the, the protection of the ego because we're adults. Hmm. But there's this part of us, which is so rooted in fear that, um, that uh, it, 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 it runs these programs in our, in our, in our belief systems Mm. that we don't even know exist. And that's why very often when that child is having the outburst, we will say, go to your room or don't cry or have a candy or, um, you, you know, a lot of parents will get reactive themselves and start to like, you know, freak out or have a big feelings themselves because their child is having the big feelings. So, with conscious parenting in those moments, a huge component and, and the, uh, why meditation is such a big 
uh, component is because when you start to ground into your heart or into your breath and into your body, you're able to see, to notice the feelings, the reactive feelings that you're having when your child has the outburst. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time they're unconscious. The child will freak out and then we start to freak out, but we don't really even notice that we are. Um, so if we tap into our body and we start to notice that our nervous system is elevating and we're feeling tense in our body, you know, maybe your eyes are bulging and your throat is getting tight and all those things, then by tuning into your body, you can start, you, you can start to realize that you're going into that egoic pattern mm-hmm. that you're, you're in the egoic pattern. And with conscious parenting, you can, through the coaching that I do, you can, um, you know, we, we go back with the parent to, to look at what those patterns are. And we, kind of, we start to peel them back and uncover what those patterns are and where they come, came from. And the more you do that, it helps in the moment. However, in the moment, you just have the moment. Yeah. So by grounding into the present moment, you can, and into your breath, you can get out of your mind and low, you know, get your nervous system a little calm again so that you can then attune to your child in the need of your child so that you're not perpetuating this this, uh, unconscious pattern with your child where your child then needs to put up an egoic defense. And and the child is then creating an inner child where that we're creating the inner child within the child. Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. And what I was picking up from that or receiving from that is that like co-regulation. If I'm in a a panic state within because my child is making me feel uncomfortable, then I'm like, you know, maybe in sympathetic or hypervigilant or something, you know, my nervous system. And so my child is receiving that and we're just kind of in a dysregulated state. Yes, exactly. Together. Whereas if we're sinking into our body and this, I mean, feeds out into so many areas of life, probably all areas of life, we're sinking into our body just attuning and and kind of slowing down, we can co-regulate with our child where they're going to naturally calm down. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, Yeah. 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 And a big piece of that too, is allowing your children, our children to to sit with their feelings and to Mm. feel them as opposed to being afraid of them. And, and then not developing the ability to understand what the feelings are telling them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an important part. Yeah. So with that like scenario, the conscious parent would just kind of like drop into their body, attune to their breath and let the child have its emotions, like express its emotions. Is that fair to say? And just do what it needs to do and would the conscious parent like be like I'm here if you need me I'm listening what would that look like is there a dialogue that goes with it there yeah I think initially um you know children are such uh feelers of energy like they're just Mm -hmm. energy and until they become teens um words don't really matter to them as much as your energy And so initially, I think, especially for little kids that don't even understand vocabulary, right? They don't understand the nuances of language. 
um, that that calmness and the the embrace the um, just the presence of the parent, the um, that heart open, rec receptive, like I receive you, I see you, I I acknowledge, and I'm here as support. That goes such a huge way for for the child, and you know automatically that can um, make the child calm down without even having to have words. But um, you know, for older children, I think then words are necessary to kind of help them to understand what's triggering them mm. and what it is that's making them upset. So ultimately, we want to teach our children um, by us asking the right questions to them. You know, things like. Um, I see that you're struggling right now. Mm -hmm. I see that you're having a hard time right now. That's the first step because kids need to hear that. They need to know that they're acknowledged and they're seen. And they also need to understand what they're going through. And, and then from there, the parent can ask questions like mm -hmm. um, that are, that are attuned to the child, like simple things like, um, what do you think made you upset? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think that it was because um, the toy was taken away from you? You, you know, you, you really didn't like that. It's just acknowledging really, just understanding that the child has feelings and is upset yeah. and needs the parent's support as opposed to needing the parent to chastise them or to fix it or make it better necessarily. Yeah. It made me think of, you know, as adults, most of us are like, you know, we'll shut down. We'll just, um, you know, conflict will come up or discomfort will come up and we'll just shut down. We won't express our needs. We won't communicate what's going on. And I would imagine it stems or it does stem from childhood where it was like, yeah. you're not worthy of being seen in these moments, or it's not safe for you to communicate your needs or, you know, the beliefs and the stories that come along with that or the inner child that's still holding that mm -hmm. goes on and on. You know, there's so many different layers to it. And when we can give the children the space to speak and communicate their needs, and this is what is actually going on. It just, you know, it'll be interesting to see when these kids are adults, how different humans function on this planet. Does, you know, it'll just be a different world because people are actually yeah. able to say, this is what I desire this is what I need in this moment. These are my emotional needs and just intimate relationships and how that all ripples out when we can communicate and say what's going on for us. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that unless you really, first of all, know yourself, it's hard to know what you want from another mm -hmm. person or what you need from another person, or it's hard to communicate so that's, that's why, you know, feeling the feelings and attuning to the feelings, it really helps children, it helps us to teach them what their feelings are. Because, you know, a lot of the time we don't, we don't understand why we're, especially kids, they don't really understand why they're feeling what they're feeling, they just feel things. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. for us to help them to see what it is and why they're feeling that way then it gives them power, you know, empower, self-empowerment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, mm -hmm. Do attachment styles play into it at all? Like avoidant, anxious, secure is yeah. that part of the work? Okay. 
It yeah. is. Yeah. 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 It, 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 more so in the way that the parents, the attachment styles of the parent, because those are what will influence the relationship with the parent and child. Okay. And do we naturally try to inflict our own attachment style onto our, our child? Like say we're avoidant, do we naturally try to inflict that onto them or does it work differently? Well, if you're, so if a parent is avoidant of, of, let's say a, a big emotion or avoidant of conflict, then they will be avoidant to conflict to their children. Mm. And then the child will learn that, you know, they're not seen, they're not there, or they won't learn to understand how to regulate their own emotions. And they also will typically become avoidant of feelings as well. Because whatever the parent usually has is usually transposed onto the child. Mm. That's why it's very generational. Yeah. So you're really yeah. breaking those, the ancestral lineage, because I can see that I was very much avoidant in my twenties and I can see how that's showing up for my daughter now, you know, and right. so we can break that cycle where we're not recreating over and over again. Does co-sleeping play into conscious parenting and also, yeah, co-sleeping and then, you know, there's kind of sleep training. That's a thing, you know, where yeah. when I had my girl, it was like, no, just let her cry it out. She'll get through yes. it, you know, and now we can look back and be like, that's telling the child that you're not a, a safe place or that your needs yeah. don't matter basically. So can you speak to mm -hmm. co-sleeping and, and yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, we have to really, in order to answer some of these questions, we really have to look at our, uh, where we came from and where we are now and understand culturally what has changed and happened. So right now there's thousands of books out there telling you exactly how to do it. And we unfortunately sleep trained our son and I regret it. It's probably one of my biggest regrets that I have. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of information and different schools of thought out there on how to parent and what to do. And uh, it's conflicting. And a lot of it is based on cultural norms and getting people to fit into a mold. And by and large, our culture does not really support the individual. Mm. It's more about like conforming. So when we look at our culture now, we have situations where parents need to work. We have nuclear families as opposed to tribal communities. And the nuclear family is the children and the parents, typically no grandparents, right? Grandparents usually live separate and maybe a nanny who comes in with their own belief systems or not, no, no, or no nanny, but it's really such a small microcosm. And in that microcosm, there's an incredible amount of pressure placed on the parents. And it's not easy, right? Like being a parent is not in, in our culture nowadays is a very difficult thing because we don't have support mm -hmm. and there's no community. So, so now it's about, you know, parents have to make a, a living. The cost of living is high. Children need to go to bed, right? Because otherwise, how are the parents going to get up and, and thrive and function and et cetera, et cetera. So there's all that. So that makes it very, very tricky to be in with. But if we look at our history, we lived in communal societies where, um, 
you know, I, I was even talking to my uh, cousin. So in my background, my my parent, my father and his siblings, there were multiple children. They lived in the same household with their uncles and aunts and all their children. And so there are many people living in many babies being born at the same time and they nursed each other's babies. Mm. And so it was a situation where there was, there were many people to help, right? It wasn't just one parent. And so now if we look at it, you know, you, you ask the question is co co-sleeping, is that an okay thing? And it was never not okay. Mm. Right. It was never not okay. It's what our ancestors always did. That's how we are. We, we nurture our children. We sleep with our children. We breastfeed our children until they no longer want it. Um, and, but it's really the cultural influences that we have, which tell us that these things are not okay. And that's part of the conditioning that we've all sort of adopted mm. is that we, we, and, and also, again, a, a call to our authenticity is by understanding where have we been conditioned? Who, who told us these things? Where does this idea come from? Mm. And is it ultimately in the, um, is, it, is it of the ultimate benefit for my soul and the soul of my child? Mm. And I think ultimately that's, that's the highest calling. And that's the question I think that we often need to ask when we're making decisions is, is this, a, is this in the highest benefit for my soul's evolution and my child's soul's evolution? Mm-hmm. And, and we know, and, and we know that children need attachment. They need us. They need the parents, uh, unwavering support and attunement. Yeah, which is it's hard. I mean, and this is kind of the tricky part of living in the world that we live in right now is that uh, in a modern world, it's very it's challenging to be able to do all of that. Mm -hmm. But that but if we start to pay attention to, you know, our inner world, we can make it little by little better. So maybe we're not making a major shift for our children's generation, but maybe their children's generation, their children's children's generation. So conscious evolution is uh, like a long process because we're unraveling years of conditioning and it takes time, you know, it's an ongoing process. Um, But the tiny little step, one step forward is another step forward and another and another and another. And then we see that things are changing and things are shifting not just for us, but for everybody. Yeah. It's like that, um, you know, we can't immediately go back to ancestral ways of living. We just can't in the world, but it's like becoming so present and aware to ask the question, like, what is my child receiving by sleeping on his own? Mm -hmm. What is he receiving by sleeping with me? You know, you've just been in a womb for nine months where you're fully yeah. held and supported. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're out on your own buddy. You know, it's not, yeah. not to that extreme, but it's like, what I receive from that is becoming aware of like, what is the child actually receiving? What is in the best interest of the child of me? You know, cause there's a lot of um, criticism that I've experienced, not in my own personal journey, but of friends who co-sleep, well, you shouldn't do that. The baby should be able to sleep on his own, you know, 
you shouldn't have the baby in bed with you, or, you know, there's a lot of criticism and shame that comes with it. And so that always tends to happen when we're breaking down old narratives or old programs, but it's like listening to your own inner knowing, like, this is what is Mm -hmm. most supportive for my baby. Yes. And I think that when we think about co-sleeping and the child should be able, well, first of all, should is never something that we should be. Yeah. And there I said it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not a word that really is conscious because everybody has their own path. And um, when, when we talk about the child should not be, they should be able to sleep on their own. Well, ultimately, yes, we want our children to be able to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. We want our, we want to ultimately, that is a point of, you know, raising children is that we want to empower them to be independent because eventually they're going to go into the world and be independent. So mm-hmm. we want them to be empowered. So from an early age, we can start that empowerment. However, there's a, there's a difference from that. So the idea of your child should be able to, that in itself comes from a place of lack Mm. because there's a fear wrapped up in that, that if your child is not able to sleep on its own, what does that say about the child or what does that mean for the child? So there's an inherent lack. Yeah. Right. Whereas if we, if we co-sleep with our children and we, um, as we attune to our child and understand the capacity of our child, we're not placing fear on the child that to be separate from me is a scary thing, mm. right? But that it is something, it's an exciting thing. You know, you're, you know, the child is old enough to get to be able to do this thing as opposed to it being like, we, creating the sense of fear of like detaching from the parent. And that often is the energy of the parent. So if the parent comes with this energy of, oh, oh, I hope my my kid's going to be okay now that I'm no longer sleeping with them, then the child's going to tune into that and then be afraid to sleep on his own. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's very much, that's why we really have to like come from a place of abundance and really start to see that there, um, that there's, that we want to follow the path of abundance mm. and empowerment, and 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 by contrast, that's why it's so important to understand: does the parent have um, an attachment to the child? Because mm. sometimes it can go both ways, right? There can be codependency yeah. that's on the part of the parent, not the child. And so, and, and if the parent has this sense, like, I can't let go of my child, or I'm afraid to let go of my child and let them go on their own, that fear seeps in. And so that's why it's really important for the parent to be very aware of its own, his own patterns, his or her own, her own patterns, mm-hmm. um, their own patterns so that they can see what, what could be an, at the root of their own thoughts and their own belief systems mm-hmm. so that they therefore are putting the fear on their children. Mm, yeah is that where like enmeshment might start to come in or codependency all that kind of stuff absolutely is there a time frame like zero to I'm not sure the year um where you know I think we all long to be a secure attachment style 
you know, we go through avoidant and anxious and our moments of secure, but is there an age where developmentally for a baby where that like close contact with the mother, you know, co-sleeping, um, the baby's needs being fully met where they can develop that secure attachment style. Does that make sense? The question I'm asking, like, is there like zero to three, zero to seven, that time frame where the brain is most malleable to feel that deep sense of belonging and I matter and I'm safe with you and my needs are being met? It's from one to seven typically. Okay. Yeah, those are kind of the most fundamental years um, where that that attunement piece is is really important. Mm. Yeah. And then it, you know, things there's always experiences and things that can impact a child after that as well, and even into adulthood. But those are the those are the years where we tend to build the um, the belief systems. Yeah. 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 Gets enmeshed into the brain. Um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, as a adult coach, which I guess you're coaching adults as well, but it's like, you know, more geared towards parenting, but then you've spoken like probably inner child healing comes up with the Mm -hmm. parents and all that kind of stuff. But I think what we're all seeing right now is we're all healing those belief systems where it's like, I don't matter. I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. safe. And when the, if we feel that as a child, we're not navigating it like we are right now as adults. What are, you know, when a baby is crying, what is it that it typically needs? Does anything come to mind? Like, is it just kind of the basics like food, shelter, water, that kind of thing? Yeah. Usually I think so. It could, but again, I think that energy is a really big piece. Mm. It just might need like a connection connection to the parent yeah yeah I think that's important where it's like maybe it just needs connection to be held to be regulated mm-hmm. um yeah it just makes me think because you know the typical response will be just let it let the baby cry out or whatever however it might show up but it's like that connection is so so healing and that co-regulation is so mm-hmm. healing mm-hmm. is conscious conception something that you work with as well, conscious conception? Uh, You'll have to tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. I think I know, but. Just consciously having a baby, preparing for the baby, you know, oftentimes the birth of the baby, baby, even the, you know, when we conceive the baby. Yeah. Conscious conception. And, and so is that something that you can speak to and, and what goes into that? Yes. Uh, I think, first of all, conscious conception would require that we first ask the question, why are we having children? Hmm. Uh, I think that because again, very often we believe that we need to have children perhaps because that's what's done culturally right we go on to have and and i'm not to say that we don't need to propagate and you know perpetuate our species but um to be perfectly honest i know this is not a very popular thing to say um but most 
most of us, when we have children, do so unconsciously. And we do so because there's this, a selfish need that we have where we think that our that we will be great parents or we have so much love to give or that I can't wait to raise a child so that I can teach them how to do XYZ or um, and then there's then then there's other layers such as you know my mother and father really want grandkids you know, there's all these reasons why people have children. And a lot of the reasons are very unconscious. Uh, and so I think, and I know it's not, you know, usually there's a sense that we need to have, we want something that we can love and that will unconditionally love us back because a baby is going to love you back, has no choice. And so I think that that's therefore, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it can be very unconscious. And, um, and I think that it's, it's important to really, again, look at what are the stories that we're telling ourselves? What is a real desire? Um, am I doing this consciously, as you say, or am I doing this unconsciously because I believe that this is what I should do? or society tells me, or my biological clock is ticking, or mm. whatever the reason is, is that people want to have children, or my life will be full, and I want to have all the children in the house, and, you know, this, you know, the big car with the minivan, and da, 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 there's a, a picture and an image mm. of, of, of being a parent and having a family, and it's a picture perfect one. The reality of it is completely not that, and I think that very often when we want to have children, we have an idealized fantasy of what that's going to look like. And, um, and that's, I think, by and large, why we have children is because mm -hmm. we, we, we have this fantasy and the fantasy is so enticing that we, that we unconsciously have children. But I think that um, when, when we have con like conscious conception, would be really understanding that you are entering a contract mm -hmm. with your child, that you're calling a soul into your life, that soul is calling you into your life, and that there is, that they, they, the only, the only um, purpose is to evolve consciously through that relationship. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot That's of sense, because I think a lot of times, I know for myself, like, very unconscious, you know, conception, but I didn't think, or, you know, would have never thought until probably like now, like this is going to be my greatest, this child is going to be my greatest teacher. This is going to be a lot of lessons and initiations and growth together, which means pain and struggle. Cause that's part of what we go through in life. You know, thinking about that, it was more just like, I want to have a kid, you know, whatever, just kind yeah. of, because that's what you do. That's totally mm -hmm. what you do. Mm -hmm. So that like recognizing that you're, you're creating a contract together. This is a contract together and you're both going to grow and evolve yes. in a really beautiful way, but also yes. challenging. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's being a parent is a huge initiation and there's so much challenge and growth that comes with it that is beautiful but you also meet a lot of thresholds and mm -hmm. edges 
which are opportunities for growth, but can be very mm. painful. painful. You know? yeah. 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 It's that, you know, this human experience is full of, full of all of it. And being a parent is definitely going to yeah. be that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think that's a really important point um, to make actually is that it is painful and, uh, and, and that the pain is not necessarily something to be afraid of mm. and to resist, but in fact, that it's an opportunity. Yeah. Cause I think culturally, again, that's something that we, we have an aversion and an intolerance mm. and an impatience for pain. And we try to resist it, but yeah. pain is there. I mean, it's part of life and, uh, it's always the the first step towards evolving and and, mm. and awakening. So it's yeah. necessary, and and that's that's what you mean when you say it's so painful. But that's the beautiful part about it. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. parenting is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's a big piece. Is that you know the pain when I think about you know, a child crying and it's like, go to your room. It's like, we're, we're trying to avoid that discomfort. You know, my child crying is making me feel uncomfortable. So I'm just going to get it away from me. And then that shows up in adult relationships and in our intimate relationships with our beloved, where it's like, Oh, it's getting uncomfortable. And then somebody just exits, you know, it's like, I got to go. And mm -hmm. pain is so much a part of it. And I think that's like, so important for conversations you know, where we can be vulnerable about our pain and what it actually is like to have a human experience as opposed to having it behind closed doors. You know, just earlier, we we're speaking mm. about kind of the nuclear family, whereas before it would have been all these people together witnessing each other in their pain, in their joy, in their, you know, I speak about this all the time now, just going through menopause, you know, there'd be ancestrally, there'd be all these women witnessing us go through menopause mm. or birth you know but we do it on our own yes now. and so it's like why not you know just start to speak about those real parts of life and of being a parent because it can yes. be hard really hard it can be really hard yeah yeah and those conversations I think people sometimes don't want to have because um it makes them seem like they're not being good parents. Mm. I think, um, I think often when, 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 you know, parents get together, there's, there's a, a shining and highlighting of all the child's successes mm. as the focus. And then there's not much in the way of the personal struggle with parenting that's openly discussed. And, um, you're right. I mean, it's, it's really such a, it's, it's, it's important to share the stories and to know, you know, to understand that there's, there's a community that can be shared with, with, with parenting and the struggles of parenting. Yeah. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, we can't, we really can only move through our struggles on our own. Mm. Um, but the support is what we need. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're not meant to do this all on our own, you know, and, no. and so being seen and held and just witnessed in our mm -hmm. struggles and in all of the 
the facets of life is so beautiful and powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So with the, the sleep, just so I'm like, I just want to touch on this for a moment more. So baby's like crying in an ideal world, you know, cause we spoke about most parents have to work. They don't get to spend like the first couple of years at home with their child, but in an ideal world, when the baby's waking up through the night, is it just like you, you hold it, you feed it kind of that kind of thing, as opposed to like, just let the baby cry out. Is that how that would be like, just bringing it with you and having that connection and like sleep trainings out the window kind of thing? I think that it's, I think it's really ultimately about the parents' ability and comfort. Mm. So, I mean, yes, I would, I would say that when it comes to sleeping, again, you tune to the needs of the child. And sure, I'm sure there's, there's scientific evidence of, you know, what stages the child is going through mentally and developmentally that a parent can follow to kind mm-hmm. of understand the child's capacity because you know you don't want to push the child beyond its ability and its uh, developmental stage um but i think with sleeping if if the parent is capable of doing that then i would say the parent should ultimately be working from a place of their own intuition mm-hmm. and their own their own um comfort and I think when we when we minimize the noise in our heads when we minimize all the different thoughts and different ideas and opinions about uh, how to do things and we pay close attention to any judgments that we are having of ourselves and of our children Mm -hmm. I think then that clears the way for us to really understand and attune to the needs of our children Mm. so uh, so I mean I might not be able to answer exactly the question of what to do when the child needs is crying it in the middle of the night I think all I would say is that what is the what is the parent is the parent attuned at that moment Mm. is the parent um is the parent in lack is the parent in fear is the parent coming from a place of shoulds or shouldn't yeah or is the parent truly just there attuning to the child? Mm. Because mm. I think that we know, we, we understand ultimately, and we learn about our children and we understand yeah. Yeah. what they need. It's and like sometimes, dropping into the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just dropping into, into the, the, the heart, the soul and attuning. Mm. I think that that's kind of the, the only really real way that we have to parent our kids. Mm. I think that's really the only way. There's no, there's no, there's no set, you know, standards. There's no rule book. There's no rule book. Yeah. It's just really like a a soul to soul attunement and connection. Mm. That's beautiful. Are there any books that you would recommend for people just kind of, you know, starting to navigate this path um the the awakened family i would suggest by dr shafali sabari she's got uh that book is her uh that's 
more recent than The Conscious Parent, so I would recommend that one. And she does have another one coming out soon. Uh, I think it's called The Parent Map, The Parenting Map. Okay. And that, but from what I understand, this is coming out yet, but from what I understand, that one is going to have um, directive, uh, like a, a, a path on how to actually consciously parent. Mm. Okay. So yeah. with your work, do you work from the conception phase, the like I'm pregnant phase or after the baby's been born? I work with all people. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All parents, uh, all people, not just parents, because a lot of the work is it's relational. So you don't even need to be a parent to be coached because we're all, we've all been parented. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, what this is, is reparenting. Right. And it's really kind of understanding how to become more authentic ourselves, how to be whole, how to feel whole. And so it's, you know, it, it, it's relationships of all kinds. So it could be your boss, it could be your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your, you know, whomever it is, um, a best friend, your child. Mm -hmm. So I work with, with anybody with all people okay. yeah Beautiful. it's yeah the it's the parent-child relationship is the most potent it's the most um it's the most intimate of all the relationships and it's the one where we project because we feel that we can we have control over that person whereas with an, an adult like a, a, um, a partner we don't necessarily feel like we can fully control that person. <laughs> and so that's why the parent-child relationship is kind of the mo most like saturated with possibility for evolution. But, you know, any relationship, not even, I mean, we can uncover patterns um, even without relationship. Mm, yeah. It's just really um, uncovering patterns generational and childhood patterns beautiful what has been your biggest lesson along the way my biggest lesson I would say is just understanding that I have everything that I need within myself and that mm -hmm. I don't need to look externally um, and that if I if I can pay attention and be a witness to myself and to my own inner world. Um, I can uncover my own, my own patterns and liberate myself from them. Mm -hmm. That's been my biggest lesson. That and also just dropping into the heart often and always and coming from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. How do you drop into the heart? Uh, meditating. And mm. breath, mm. breath, just, and, and, and it's, for me, it's actually like a, like I just drop into it. Like I just go, I feel into my heart space. Yeah. It's like almost like if we visualize it or that our heart is breathing or something, just that awareness mm. around it automatically yeah. can drop us into that space. For sure. Doesn't and it feels, it, and, it, and, and I don't know about you, but do you feel like it's like a definite shift. Like it really feels so different. Yeah. Yeah. Feels completely different. I think that's yeah. like our biggest work on the planet right now is just getting into our heart mm -hmm. and out of our head, you know, and yeah. that shifts so much. 
um, yeah. how do you experience the mysteries? Presence, mm. just being present. Meditation and just being aware, being aware, quieting my mind. Mm. Yeah. How do you yeah. root into the self? Uh, my practice is very much, it's very simple. I just close my eyes. Sometimes I don't even close my eyes and I just attune to my breath. Mm. That's yeah. all super simple. Super simple. It's better when it stays simple. Otherwise it becomes too complicated and we don't do it or my experience yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also, um, when I was, what you know, before I used to do a lot of guided meditations and, um, and I felt almost sort of like a attachment to them. Like I felt like I needed to, to get to that place in my, you know, being mm -hmm. to really drop in. I needed to have like some other voice guiding me, some other place of wisdom, somebody else's wisdom guiding me. And, uh, and, and it's beautiful you know, there's some wonderful people and wonderful meditations out there. Um, and I advocate for, if you need to start somewhere, you could, you know, start there if it, if it helps. But um, in the moment when we're, when we're struggling, you know, when we're living our real life and out, you know, pounding the pavement and in the relationship and our child is screaming or spouse is screaming or something is happening we don't we can't pull that guided meditation out. Mm -hmm. you know all we have in those moments is our breath so that's why the breath is now my practice because it's just it's just it's always there mm -hmm. it's always there you don't have to look for it yeah yeah always available yeah. is there anything that's on your heart that I haven't touched on that you want to speak to love uh no, no. It feels <laughs> like we <laughs> I, I, I think we covered quite a bit of things yeah 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 no we did yeah we did do you have any offerings coming up yes I'm in the process of um getting my website updated or getting it together and, and putting that up there and and I'll eventually have that up and uh and I'm going, I'm ongoingly doing information sessions about conscious parenting and, um, and I'm developing uh, offerings for work to do workshops and, and to be able to teach uh, parents and, and non-parents how to reparent and how to mm -hmm. kind of navigate that relationship with, with their children or their significant others or those intimate relationships that they have. Uh, because at the end of the day, ultimately, it's about empowering. Um, my my job as a coach is not to perpetuate the relationship between the dependent relationship between client and myself, but to empower clients to be able to seek it out themselves and to understand their own their own power and how to coach themselves. So so the workshops that I'm going to be offering will be um, leading up to that, to being mm -hmm. able to do that. Beautiful. And I'll be in the show notes where everybody can reach yes. out. And, and of course, medicine. Yeah. sorry. Oh, that's okay. And of course, uh, I, the one-on-one -on -one coaching is also available. Okay. So many offerings coming down the pipe. 
That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I learned a lot. Um, So yeah, thank you so much. Wonderful. Thanks, Lisa. Great to be here. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.